Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lit These Days. I'm Jessica. I'm Adam. And we're your hosts on this wonderful journey where we talk about the books that we finished reading, what we're currently reading, and we give you book recommendations. Adam, what have you been up to? What have you been reading? What have I been reading? I um, Do we want to go with what we're currently reading or what we finished reading? What we finished reading. Okay, I completely. It's been a while since we've done this because we had to, <laughs> we had to lapse in our recording schedule. So I completely forgot what our what our pattern was. We had that amazing so, guest on, so you know. I know. Just kind of scrambled yeah. everything because he was so good. Yeah, if you didn't listen to Riley Hennessy, uh, the episode title was "Our Second Guest." Very easy to remember. Yes. Go check that one out. Um, I finished reading "Solutions and Other Problems" by Allie. Brosh. I don't know why I hold these up to the screen because it just gets blinded by my uh... blinded by the light. There you go. Does that look familiar to you? This the, very crude drawing of a person. The character does. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it on memes and stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's the all the things meme. Oh uh, right. Yeah, that came from her first. It actually came from her blog, um, which led to her first book, which was Hyperbole and a Half, um, and she. She essentially in her blog, she's hilarious. Um, she has very, very crude drawings of herself and situations she gets into. But it's a blend of like graphic novel and essay um, because like the bulk of the text is is typed out. Um, but there's constant funny pictures going on. Um, and she presents that first book is fantastic because it has, it has stories like uh, her... <laughs> Um, attacking her fish friend. She befriends a fish when she's like four years old and then like <laughs> stabs it to death. Oh no. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because they're like fishing and then like she, I think she like accidentally pokes it and then like freaks out Aww. and starts stabbing it. But the, the images are hilarious because they're so crudely drawn. Like they look like a, a child has drawn them. But they're so simple and they, they, they convey a lot. You don't realize that until she gets into the, her serious essays. Uh, Depression 1 and 2 is fantastic um probably the best descriptions of clinical depression i think i've I've ever read and seen before so if you haven't read hyperbole in half phenomenal book it's from 2013 um but she disappeared after that like she completely disappeared her blog stopped posting her last blog was one about again when she was a kid and she wore this dinosaur outfit for halloween and then she actually started to believe she was she was the dinosaur (laughs) so so she does these interesting visuals where like it's her she looks really stupid in this this dinosaur outfit and then like you see her look in a mirror and it's a very realistically drawn raptor (laughs) it's like (laughs) what she's seeing in herself and she like destroys the house (laughs) so that was her last post and then you know you sat you waited i read this in 2013 so um, I was very much looking forward to, hey, now I can read this blog because I didn't know about the blog until the book. And then it never updated. Hmm. She completely disappeared. Years went by. I would check in every once in a while to see if, like, there was another posting. There was nothing. Then, like, on Reddit, posts would start to pop up of, does anybody know where <laughs> where Ali Brosh is, the writer of this? Eventually, I found, and I think it was on a Reddit thread, so somebody had discovered that her her... Uh, sister had died by suicide she had like driven her car out onto a a train track um and stayed there Mm. um so that you know kind of explained the stopping of of what was occurring and then at some point this must have been five years ago uh, solutions and other problems popped up on 
Amazon is coming out. I think in 2017 was when it was supposed to come out. Um, and then they kept pushing the date of mm-hmm. the pre-order back and then that pre-order switched at one point to 2030 was the release date oh wow um, and and then it was just pulled down entirely and then in 2020 i think this came out in 2020 let me check yeah 2020 it just it popped back up it was released she's on the radio now um and the book confirms that um she her sister had died by suicide this was shortly after she had a cancer scare she had these um tumors that she was unaware of and she was basically bleeding to death and and almost died and then like her doctors were convinced it was cancer and it wasn't so that was happening her sister died Uh, she got divorced (laughs) she became a complete recluse and just stayed in her apartment in in bend oregon for from basically 2013 to to 2020 and then this book came out um and it's great that all sounds very very heavy and Mm -hmm. that's in there um but it's padded out i don't even want to say padded out um it's it's funny it's funny throughout it's there's it starts with a story about richard her neighbor um, so she jumps back and forth in time. So it's another story from when she was a kid and how she um, didn't realize there was anyone that lived next door when she was three. And then when she became aware of it, she was obsessed with getting into his house <laughs> <laughs> and so, figured out she could sneak in through the cat door. And this was like like a 40-year-old guy who lived by himself. So she was sneaking into his house and stealing things <laughs> and just generally becoming obsessed with him. And then her parents started to figure out that there were his stuff was in the house no she started talking about him like oh that's my friend richard um so they like confront him at some point oh my gosh like have you like been talking to our daughter and he was like no i haven't even seen your daughter like i see her in the yard and they're like you came into our yard he's like no i didn't i didn't come into your yard so he basically gets accused of being a child molester and (laughs) then she she gets herself found out because she attempts to steal the cat, <laughs> his cat, <laughs> which is successful. She successfully brings the cat back into the house. But of course they're like, why is this cat in the house? <laughs> um, and then they take the cat back to Richard and are basically like, sorry, we accused you of child molestation. Our kid is just weird. And then he moved away. <laughs> can, you, can I tell you this exact situation happened to my, happened to my parents? The neighbor <laughs> kid, he was obsessed with our Dalmatian. And my parents yeah. were gone out of the house. He got into our house and <laughs> let our Dalmatian out. And oh, I'm no. I'm so surprised that he did not get hurt because that dog is not nice she's very mean and i'm so glad that he did not get bitten or anything but he just like he just came in and let the dog out because he liked her (laughs) oh that's great well she would write like letters (laughs) and stick them in like his kitchen drawer but she's three so it's just like random crayon scribblings Mm. (laughs) and then you know she draws in like what she thinks is going through his mind when he's like what is this how did this get in here (laughs) i love that um and nobody would guess what's going on. So, like, nobody could, could figure out all of these strange occurrences. So it's a lot of stories like that, which is which is great. But I notice, and again, it's such a, it's important the way it is told. Because um, she is drawn, not even very human. Like, she doesn't have a nose. She's basically, like, a skinny um, white blob with a, like, 
a, a stick of yellow sticking out of the back <laughs> of her head as her as her ponytail. Um, but other people in the book look human. <laughs> so when she's like sitting next to her boyfriend, um, you very much get this visual of one, this looks absolutely ridiculous. But two, like this is how she feels mm-hmm. like she doesn't feel comfortable being around other people. And, th- and that comes that comes clear in the prose. Um, but I noticed something interesting that she did. That Richard story is very early on. Um, and there's these funny reactions from the parents where they're like, did you, you came into our yard and it'll, it'll cut back to the parents and they're just kind of like staring wide eyed at him. And that happens when she finds out about her sister. Like it just cuts to, she, and she talks about like, I don't want to dwell on this long. I'm just explaining like how I got here. Um, so she very, very briefly touches upon things, but that's one of the scenes is like, she finds out about that. Then it cuts to like the parents and her on a couch, just like holding each other. And that same expression is on their face, but it's been, the meaning has been changed. Um, really, really solid, emotional, hilarious stuff. I can't, I can't sing her praises, praises enough. I'll definitely have to check that out because that sounds fantastic. Like, yeah, just the juxtaposition between the the really low lows and the high highs and how you can make those come together in a cohesive book. That's awesome to me. I feel like that sounds really interesting. It's great. Uh, Start with hyperbole and a half for sure. And then this one is starting to pop up in um, bargain bins. Essentially. I found Mm -hmm. this at books a million for, it was like $8 in the clearance section. So you might be able to find it in Barnes and Noble for cheap. Maybe, maybe I'll have to look. I did get a gift card in the mail because I have a Barnes and Noble credit card that i use for like pretty much everything and once you spend a certain <laughs> amount of money they'll send you gift cards and it's always just yeah. a nice surprise i'm like ooh, i can go to barnes and noble but it's also dangerous because it's yeah. like, it's a 25 dollars gift card but then you go in and you spend like a lot more than the 25 dollars. it's always very dangerous <laughs> but you're I'm also like, forgetting all the money you spent to get the 25 dollars. <laughs> yes this is true this is true yeah. but i normally put my my um essentials on there so i'm like i'm getting it anyway i might as well get some rewards for it you know what i mean exactly that's how i justify it yeah i get the nice educator discount although barnes and noble can be a little stingy but books a million has it actually i went to books a million twice last week you know my book buying ban is is going really well (laughs) um and the first time the guy was like your your card expires in like seven days do you want to renew that and i was like i don't know my teacher id and he's like okay and then just like finished checking me out. Like, he's just like, I'm not going to renew it then. Like, you have to prove that you do indeed work <laughs> in a school. And then when I got back, when I went back, I got this really young kid. Um, and I, w- I was wearing this, like, um, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe these hoodies, but you would imagine like a, a hippie would wear something like this. <laughs> so he's like, Oh, hey, man, <laughs> I love that hoodie, man. <laughs> I was like, thanks. And he was like, oh, you're a teacher? It's <laughs> like, yes. Your card expires like eight days. Do you still work at this school? And I was like, I don't work at that school. I work at this school. And he's like, all right, I'll just change it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved like, your a- accent for that, that <laughs> character. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like, I swear. And then I was like, <laughs> what is the difference between you and the other person that <laughs> waited on me? And is there anyone that works here that's in between? <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's yeah. so funny. Awesome. Well, yes, yeah. I will be putting that on my Goodreads uh, to get list. And yeah, I, shocker, shock, like 
just world news here. I did not finish a book again. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I will finish reading A Court of Silver <laughs> it's been Flames. Like, it's been two weeks since we since we last discussed. Yeah. Not on the podcast, but us. Yeah. You know. Hey, no shame. I was still reading the same book that I was then, too. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I will finish it for next week if it kills me. I will stay up until whenever I have to, and I will finish it. So far, it's very slow. I think I mentioned that earlier. <laughs> However, I am enjoying the slowness for one particular reason. So, this, as oh, I we mentioned... should say that. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna prompt you to say the name of the book. Yeah. So, A Court of Silver Flames is a spinoff of the very popular A Court of Thorns and Roses series, which I love amazing Mm -hmm. best freaking oh love it so much okay so a court of thorns and no a court of silver flames follows some other side characters they're now the main characters now main character nesta has gone through some shit she has a (laughs) bunch of trauma she's trying to work through it she well like was in this huge battle she has trauma from that, like PTSD, all this, all the, th- all the stuff. So when she gets out of the battle, she goes and she kind of just starts losing herself and like booze and sex and all of this stuff. Really not the the healthiest way to cope with it. And her, uh, her friends realize that, and they're like, "We're gonna have an intervention for her." So they uh, kind of have this intervention and make her uh, get a job and all of this stuff, and. Like I mentioned before, it's a very slow-paced book. Normally, I don't like slow-paced books. However, I think it's really interesting because it's kind of her going through how to cope with this this huge traumatic thing yeah. that she went through. And I find that really interesting to look at that through her eyes and just see how it kind of affects her. And it affects the people around her as well. And also, there's some steamy bits in it, which... I love some steamy bits in a book. And, yeah. So, not so far not my favorite. Like, I wouldn't compare it to A Court of Thorns and Roses because it's very mm. slow. However, still good. Still like it. I'm about 300 pages through it. It's like 800 pages long. I will finish it for next week. Hold you to that. If it's just me recording, they'll know what happened. <laughs> it needs to be... I need to have a punishment. I need to, like, if I don't finish it, I have to, like, shave my head or something. <laughs> That's a little extreme, but I'll hold <laughs> you to that. Um, it's interesting because it's not, none of that screams fantasy novel. Yeah, well, it is fantasy in that they are, uh, it's, they're called high fae, which is, they're basically just a, a race of fairies. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a subplot going on right now where there are these bad guys who are, are trying to find these really powerful objects in so that they can just kind of control everything. Like, they're looking for, um, they're looking for a crown, a harp, and a... They're looking for a crown, a harp, and a mask. The mask mm. can raise the dead and you can just basically have an army of dead people who don't need to drink or or eat or rest so they can basically just fuck you up <laughs> if they want to yeah. and the harp for some reason can open any door at all 
which you think would be a key, but it's a harp. And then the other thing that I said. Very annoying. Just like, let me play this song so I can get in my house. Let me lure this this door into opening. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing was a crown. And the crown is if you put it, whoever's wearing it can just control other people's minds. So the bad guys are looking for the stuff. And the good guys, which is Nesta and her friends, they're trying to also find it so that the bad guys don't get it. That's just really, it's just a subplot at the moment. I'm 300 pages into it. Not a ton is happening with that. It's kind of like <laughs> political scheming going on behind the scenes. So. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'm just contrasting it with, because I'm, I'm not up on modern fantasy of like, I'm used to fantasy characters just having fantasy problems and that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. What's the inner tor- turmoil here? Well, you know. We got to get to that mountain. Okay. I think most of it is, I mean, there's a lot from the A Court of Thorns and Roses series of, like, they talk about, you know, stuff that's happened in the past. But this mm. this book is very much different because I think that it's just the author, Sarah J. Mass is just kind of trying to focus on Nesta and her journey, which is really interesting to me. And it's not so much about the fantasy aspect of it so far. It might get into that. I'm not sure. Also, like I had mentioned before, um, A Court of Thorns and Roses is a young adult book. This book is not young adult at all. So if you have young kids who are like, I want to read that book, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I've I meant to ask you about that. I've seen a lot of kids lately reading her books, but the ones they're reading are very much like, oh, that is definitely just young adult fiction like that's appropriate that that's in our our middle school um so i'm wondering if she's i don't know i wonder if that's just like a publisher being like just make it young adult because it's gonna sell more yeah i was listening to another podcast called get booked and they had someone ask for a book recommendation and they're like oh i want to have i want to get a young adult uh book and one of the the host she was like young adult is not a genre it's a marketing tactic so i think there's something to that yeah that's a really good point i think back to do you you might have been too young for this but uh james fry when he wrote his memoir a million little pieces uh, Mm -hmm. which was about his his rehab so this was the oprah's book club uh winner and then it 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 was found out that it was mostly made up Mm. So then she brought him on her show so she could just berate him in front of an audience. But really what it came down to was like his publisher was like, no, we're going to market this as nonfiction because it's going to sell better. Mm. Um, so I was like, come on, Oprah. <laughs> that doesn't sucks, That seems though. like that. It seems like you should bring the publisher on and scream at the publisher. I will say yeah. I read the book. It's a fine book. I, di- I didn't care that it was. I knew it was false when I read it and I really didn't care. What, what tipped you off that it was false? Oh, that had already happened. The drama had already happened. Although my girlfriend at the time really loved that book. And she read it before. I think she read. Yeah, she read it before that controversy happened. And she still didn't care. So so I guess that's a side recommendation. But yeah, that's what it came down to was like, wow, what what's going to sell? What label? What genre label is going to sell more copies? Mm -hmm. That's probably young adult. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Cool. So that's all I got. That's what I'm currently reading. That's what you're currently reading. 
I finished, I, you know, my vow to just stick with one book at a time was broken because I slipped into a new job this past week. Um, so I ordered ed tech essentials and then I just picked solutions and other problems up and I was like, I'll just read one and then read the whole thing. Um, so I will return to that, but, um, ed tech essentials, I want to blow this, blow this past you real quick. I promise I'll make this interesting to a general audience. And I think this relates to some things that you've read before Jess in that it's a professional book. Uh, I feel like I'm a little crazy because the Amazon reviews are, are great for it. Um, and I like, I like this lady, Monica Burns is the author. I like her work. I like her blog. It is so nonspecific that it's like not helpful at all. <laughs> it's just very generalized um, purposes for technology in the classroom. Not a lot that teachers wouldn't necessarily already know. Um, and that's and it's extremely short. Like it very much felt like, and this bothers me with a lot of books, especially professional books. Like, oh, this was a blog. This is an extended blog post mm-hmm. that shouldn't have been stretched out for as long as it was stretched out. So it's basically just common sense. This is what that book is. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean to slag Monica Burns because I do. Her website, her blog, all of that stuff is very helpful and very specific. It's tough to write an ed tech book, though, because the technology cycles so quickly that, mm-hmm. you know, you could you could get very specific and then it would be outdated shortly thereafter. So I do appreciate the struggle there, but um, I don't feel like I got much out of it because it was very, very vague. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, keep kids safe. OK, not like that would be one <laughs> one area of instruction. Yeah, I've run into that a few times, too, with some books that I read. Um, There's that book, uh, How to Blog for Profit, which was just, I mean, it's basically what you can find on the Internet. And there wasn't anything, like, what I was hoping to find out was, like, how to create an LLC if you have a blog and how to monetize it and all of this stuff. And I think that she she has a course that you can buy and i think that you can figure that stuff out in the course so the book was just basically trying to get people to buy the course it's like that's not helpful so i have run into that a couple times yeah yeah it's and i've run into that in other fields not just like professional development books um but just like you know entertaining books of oh even freakonomics i really liked the first two freakonomics books and then the third one came out and it was just their blog posts i was like (sighs) (laughs) like Mm -hmm. this stuff works as a blog for a reason it doesn't work very well in book form i need something a little meatier in book form and even freakonomics which like that stuff gets really fascinating was like this stuff is just too quick and too generalized for Mm -hmm. me to for me to enjoy i will although it did give me there is something to be said for that where if they're just bringing their blog posts together, because sometimes I feel like you can go onto a website and there's like a gold mine of information, but if you don't know how to sift through it, if you don't know where to yeah. start, it's very difficult to get anything out of it. That's true, particularly if it's not categorized well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, the book will actually will categorize it for you and it'll just make yeah. it a little easier. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So not a terrible read. I mean, I, I, I finished it. I actually joined the organization that, published it which is ASCD which stands for should have looked this up ahead of time it stands for something about teaching anyway I joined their organization um so now I'll get professional books sent to my house once 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 a month I think um so I'll give that a shot for a year it was pretty cheap so nice I love that for you that's pretty cool yeah 
So excited. Excited. I never read... No, I, I mean, I read plenty of professional books when I was an English teacher, but it was very much like, I don't want to read this stuff in my free time. Mm-hmm. Really have to keep things separate. But, you know, I'm excited mm-hmm. not to be an English teacher anymore. So. Woohoo. Yay. So those are the books that I finished reading and I'm currently reading. I feel like it's just going to be me talking a lot. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, Zora Neale Hurston, You Don't Know Us Negroes and Other Essays, which I'm came excited. out at the end of last month. Ah. Oh. It's so good. I love Zora Neale Hurston. First of all, this is a collection of essays, some of which have been published, some of which have only been published in the modern library editions of her books, uh, which I also have upstairs. And some of them just have never seen the light of day. Some of them are transcribed. So you'll get sections of them that are like, we couldn't understand what she was saying here. Like we couldn't make Mm -hmm. out the text, which to me is really cool. I love reading books from authors that like the stuff wasn't necessarily meant to see the light of day. Although you can tell a lot of the stuff was, it just never, it was never published for some reason. The title essay is one of the best essays in the book. Um, and it was never, never published in her, in her lifetime, but she reviews some books from people who negatively reviewed their eyes were watching God. Oh, you would not, you would not want to be on the other end of Zora Neale Hurston's <laughs> pen. <laughs> I think so, you were talking about that a couple a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that sounds brutal. Yeah. Oh man. So this was uh this is a review of Dr. Dr. Locke, Dr. Elaine Leroy Locke. Um published something which he calls a criticism of the Negro books published in 1937. This is how this this review ends. Dr. Locke is abstifically, which I don't know if she made that word up or not, a fraud. Both as a leader and a critic, he knows less about Negro life than anyone in America. And if what he did in The New Negro is a sample, he does not know anything about editing or criticism either. You can tell by reading what he writes that he intends to be a great big fraud. It does succeed in being a fraud, but not a big one. He intends to pass off his personal quote unquote touches as criticism. He's a public turncoat and ought to be pointed out as such. He has set himself up as an opinion passer without having the material for the opinions. I will send my toenails to debate him on what he knows about Negroes in Negro life. And I will come personally to debate him on what he knows about literature on the subject. This one who lives by quotations, trying to criticize people who live by life Two exclamation points. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? She's scathing. (laughs) I'll send my toenails to him. Oh, man. She's very creative with with her remarks. Oh, yeah. Well, and then with some of her things, she reviews uh, Richard Wright, one of his books, um, and he negatively reviewed Their Eyes Were Watching God. And she's a little politer since he's a leading, you know, figure at the time. But still, like, she gets these side jabs in there that are like, oh, okay, that's good. Sorry, I'll cut this back, but I really want to read you this one sentence in here. Uh, and interesting, too, because she also criticizes the politics of the time. Like, he was, he was very sympathetic to the uh, Communist Party, and she, she takes issue with that. Um, in the other three stories, the reader sees the picture of the South that the communists have been passing around of late. A dismal, hopeless section ruled by brutish hatred and nothing else. Mr. Wright's author's solution 
is the solution of the party, state responsibility for everything and individual responsibility for nothing, not even feeding oneself. And March, since the author himself is a Negro, I should have set everything up by saying I know that's an outdated term, but for the time period in which these are written, it is not Mm -hmm. the outdated term. Mm -hmm. Um, His dialect is a puzzling thing. One wonders how he arrived at it. Certainly he does not write by ear unless he is tone deaf. (laughs) But aside from the broken speech of his characters, the book contains some beautiful writing. One hopes that Mr. Wright will find in Negro life a vehicle for his talents. (laughs) Wow, that was a little nicer. It's a little nicer, but it's still still a bit much. (laughs) (laughs) Is that... The whole book, is that just her responding to people in that way? Or is there other stuff mixed in there? No, it is split up into sections that are they're loosely themed. Um, and that was from the section on art and such. So, so it would be specifically in that section. I'm on race and gender right now. Mm-hmm. Um, she's interesting because she she wrote in a way that people had not written before and and she discusses this extensively especially in that title essay of her criticism of the books of the time and and richard wright in particular here and he criticized her for essentially the opposite was she she felt like african-american literature of the time was so mired in she keeps calling what she refers to as the race problem um and she she wanted something that celebrated the culture without putting every single character as a stereotypical victim. Like she felt that's, that's very much what's going on with African-American literature as a whole here. And I'm trying, attempting to do the opposite, not attempting to ignore it, but like, I really want a celebration, which when you read their eyes, we're watching God. Um, Have you read that before? I haven't. No, you get, you get a sense of it. Like it is, it is an entirely, african-american town run by a woman uh, it's amazing it's a beautiful beautiful book um, but it very much broke with things that were happening at the time so you can see why people criticized her and she viciously ripped them a new one for doing so mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the reason why i'm so slow to to get through it is there are some things in here that are so very much of the time period that they're interesting like the local politics of howard university is very interesting um but it's difficult to get into some of those things. She has a really funny satire on Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey would have been way more relevant and, and most people would have known who she was talking about at the time as opposed to now. But you do read some of the things and you go like, oh, that like there's a through line for sure. There's an absolute mm-hmm. through line from, from then to now. Um, she also, um, she negatively reviews somebody's book on jazz, um, but she says the most beautiful thing about jazz music in here. Um, and then I promise I'll stop talking about this. This mode of expression, jazz, uh, certainly more inwardly understood than the austere declaration of independence, more nearly typifies the spirit that broods over the continent. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, highly recommend if you've read Zora Neale Hurston. Um, might not get as much out of it if you haven't read at least Their Eyes Were Watching God. So maybe mm-hmm. read that and then return to this. Good note, good note. Awesome. Did you have anything else to talk about? Nope. Those were my three for the week. It was supposed to be one, but it turned out to be three. I had a half, so 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but a up. long a long book though. So like, yeah. chances are you read the length of a book. Yeah. You just yeah. need to choose small books. That's what you. <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I have a, I have a short book that I have my eye on. It's a marketing book for after this one. Gotta get. I go. will get through this one, this week. I promise everybody. Okay, so now I think we can go into our book recommendation question. And as I say in my spiel, every single time we have a, uh, a recording, uh, you can go to our website, letthesedayspodcast.com, and click on the Get Recommendation button, and you can ask us for a book, um, anything that you like, a book in a specific genre, a book like one you've read before. really doesn't matter. We'll come up with some really good books for you to read. And this week we had... A question come in that says, I'm looking for some Irish book recommendations. I just finished Normal People by Sally Rooney. So good. In capital letters. I'm craving more books either set in Ireland or anything that gives me Ireland vibes. I'm leaving the subject or genre open to you. I have two for this one. I will talk about uh, the first one. So this book I chose because it's often compared to Normal People by Sally Rooney. And this one is Exciting Times by Noise, Noisa Dolan. Not exactly sure how to say that name. Uh, but this one is the one that's compared to Normal People. And it's about a woman named Ava who moved from Ireland to Hong Kong to find happiness. Because she was not happy when she was in Ireland. And she moved to Hong Kong, she really hasn't found that happiness that she was looking for. So for her full-time job, she teaches English to really rich children, and she just really does not like her life in Hong Kong. But then she befriends Julian, and he is a British banker who's got lots of money, and she has no money. So he's like, hey, maybe you should move in with me. And against her better judgment, she's like, Maybe I should move in with him and let him buy me things. So that's what she does. And then they start having a sexual relationship. And then his job takes him back to London. And she stays in Hong Kong because that's where her job is. And she's not really sure where their relationship stands. And then enter Edith. She comes along. And Ava's like, yes, I want you. Let's do this thing. And she just pretends like Julian is her roommate and then Edith and Ava get together and then Julian comes back from uh from London and he's like hello I am back what's up and it kind of just devolves from there so it's not really Irish like the main character is Irish but it's often compared to normal people so I was like well this kind of fits the bill here so if you like normal people I think you would like this as well I feel like like, I was looking at the Goodreads reviews for both Normal People and Exciting Times, and they're both, like, re- both the books are really hit and miss with people. I think that for some people, Normal People is just very monotonous and hard to get through. Um, and I, I've seen that this story is kind of told in the same way. So, this person loved Normal People, so I think that she will like, she, he will like this as well. All right. My recommendation is a trilogy of books, the Berrytown Trilogy by Roddy Doyle. And I've read this trilogy of books twice. Um, The first one is called The Commitments. um, And you're going to have to commit to both reading this and watching the film. Um, It's the perfect companion piece to this. 
It's a very short book, though. It's only 144 pages. And um, it has been a long time since I read it, so forgive me while I do what I always do and read the uh, read the synopsis here. Barrytown, Dublin has something to sing about. The commitments are spreading the gospel of the soul, ably managed by Jimmy Rabbit, brilliantly coached by Joey the Lips Fagan. Their twin assault on Motown and Barrytown takes them by leaps and bounds from the parish hall to the steps of the studio door. But can the commitments live up to their name? First of all, the book is genuinely hilarious. So Jimmy Rabbit is a young kid, working class town in Ireland, and he becomes obsessed with the idea that he needs to form an Irish soul band. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And uh, he's very much like whenever people audition, um, he's like, nothing Irish, okay? Nothing. <laughs> in the film, there's like, like he'll like open the door and decide almost in an instant if he wants to audition the people and then slam the door in their face if he doesn't want to. So he opens the door and, and somebody will be like <laughs> playing something traditional Irish on the guitar, slam the door. Um, he opens it up at another point and they're like, you too? And he's like, slams the door <laughs> shut. Um, so in that, like, I know you're looking probably for things that are more Irish culture. Um, but that's very much there in in the contrast of what is happening here um, because it gets so ridiculous. Um, and it's written with the dialect, so you can you can very much hear um, Ireland in the prose. but there's oh, there's there's a scene where he like he finally forms a band and they're all white Irish people. and he's like, all right, guys, say it loud, say it proud. i'm I'm black and I'm proud. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's great and you have to watch the movie because the movie i mean they form the band there's a full soundtrack to it the music is great um it's really funny it's it's phenomenal so the commitments by roddy doyle not much of a commitment short book um all of them are very short and you can get them bound into one with the barrington trilogy the book two is called the snapper um Meet the Rabbit family, a motley bunch of lovable ne'er-do-wells whose everyday purgatory is rich with hangovers, dog shit, and dirty dishes. When the older sister announces her pregnancy, the family is forced to rally together and discover the strangeness of intimacy. But the question remains, which friend of the family is the father of Sharon's child? Um, Rabbit Sr. is one of the funniest characters I've seen in literature. A very staunch Irish Catholic man whose daughter is now pregnant out of wedlock and they don't know mm-hmm. who the father is, um, which makes for this one has like scenes that are a lot more intense. And I can remember either borderline or fully like, oh, this is verbal abuse. Um, but they're they're drawn into these quarters together where like like he's there he has to see everything that occurs with a a pregnancy all over again and his kids are his kids are grown so it's very much like a family is is learning from each other and growing um so it's a touching book in the end and then the final one which i don't believe is any longer the final one i think there's one more after this that's relatively new is the van Jimmy Sr. gets laid off. Um, he's spending his days alone and miserable. And when his best friend Bimbo also gets laid off, they keep by by being miserable together. Um, and then they buy a decrepit fish and chip van and they go into they go into business selling um, selling food to drunk people, <laughs> essentially. Solid business plan. Solid business plan. And, and the stories are told mainly through dialogue which is partly why they're so short um i mean they're they're snappy they're intelligent they are fun books to read that are steeped in irish irishness irish culture 
check those cool. out if you're um, if you're new to Irish literature. Roddy Doyle is is up there, name wise. My favorite part is that there's the character named Bimbo. Love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's I, a funny. It's a funny read. And all, I think all three were made into movies. I know the Snapper was commitments, obviously. And I believe the last one was. And the dad is the same dad throughout. I don't remember the actor's name, but if you saw him, you'd recognize him because he's in all kinds of British TV shows. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. Well, I have I have one more book to talk about. This one uh, is The Wonder by Emma Donahue. She wrote Room, which was a mm. super popular yeah. book. Um, I like that book a lot. And... This one, The Wonder, takes place in the Irish Midlands in 1859. So it's going to be a big departure from normal people. But this one is actually in Ireland, unlike the last one that I recommended. So Lib Wright is the main character. She's an English nurse, and she's asked to go to this really tiny village in Ireland to see this girl because she's said to have lived without food for months. And tourists start going to this girl's cabin because they think that it's some kind of divine intervention. And even a journalist comes down to document it. And this book is just, it's extremely eerie. It's kind of like a psychological thriller almost because the whole time you're like, okay, is this something that's cooked up by the family? Is something more sinister going on here? Kind of like what's going on? And the main character, Lib, gets really attached to this girl and she wants to figure out what's happening. And I was sucked in the whole time. It's very different from normal people, like I said. But she also said, she he also said the genre was up to us. So I thought that I would throw that in there. Nice, nice. That's a great variety of books there. Mm-hmm. I've not read um, The Room, or Room. I guess there's no article at the beginning of that. Yeah, that book's really, really good. I read it, I was assigned it when I was a junior in college. It's definitely a difficult book to get through, like mm-hmm. a lot of content warnings for you know, kidnapping and rape and all of that stuff. Uh, so the mom, book... and, mom and son kidnapped, right, and just stuck in a room together? So the main character she was kidnapped and then he keeps her in this room where there's like a keypad on the door it's like a very kind of high-tech situation where you can't she like she literally cannot escape because there's a lot of barriers to her escaping and uh he rapes her um and she gets pregnant with her son her son is born in the room and the room is all he's ever seen. And it, how much do I want to give away here? It, the son ultimately is kind of in charge of getting them out. And he's like five when this happens. And um, she knows that if she lets him get older, the guy is going to see him as more of a threat and ultimately try and hurt him so she's like okay we have to do this now she comes up with this huge plan to get them out it's actually my i remember my professor saying that it was based on a true story as well so yeah yeah definitely difficult to get through a lot of trigger warnings for that book that sounds fantastic and nothing that i want to read anytime soon (laughs) yeah no very depressing yeah so well on that note (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, on that depressing note. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate you. And like I said before, if you like a personalized reading recommendation, we'd love to give you one. You just go to our website and click on the get recommendation button, fill out the Google form. We'll take it two minutes and we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye internet people. <laughs>